Well, good morning and welcome to the fourth Sunday after Pentecost, June the 28th. Where did the month of June go? We gather together in the presence of the God who receives us with open arms, who loves us unconditionally and who bids us do the same to one another. Let's worship God together. opening hymn this morning uh, is a hymn from our hymnal, number 409. Morning has broken, and this is the original Cat Stevens version. Morning has broken like the first morning Blackbird has spoken Like the first bird Praise for the singing Praise for the morning Praise for them springing Fresh from the world The rain's new fall, sunlit from heaven, like the first dew fall on the first grass. Praise for the sweetness of the wet garden, sprung in completeness where his feet. the sunlight mine is the morning born of the one light Eden saw play praise with elation praise every morning 
prepare more deeply for worship. Let us join in our call to worship. What does the Lord require of you? To do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God. What does God command of us? To love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. God does not call us to ease or to comfort but to presence and abundance and grace in our struggle. Let us worship the God who believes in us, trusts in us, and abides with us. Let us worship the God who will ask much of us, but will be beside us every step of the way. Let us approach God in prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, your faithful love toward us never ends. It is as sure and dependable as the sky over our heads. We praise you. We've gathered together this morning to offer you our worship and our thanksgiving, to declare to any who will listen that you are our God and we are your people. May your spirit be at work among us as we worship, opening our eyes to the light of your presence in, the, in this place. To you alone, faithful creator, redeemer, and sustainer, be all glory and honor, now and forever. Amen. Our second hymn this morning uh, from Voices United, number 658, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go. This morning, the recording is from the Westminster Chorus.
Let us pray a prayer of confession. Loving and sustaining God, you call us to obedience, to follow you in all things, to give up the things we cling to, and to give ourselves wholeheartedly to your purposes. We confess that we don't always find this easy to do. We confess that it is often very difficult to let go of the things we love, but we also know that you never ask more of us than what is possible and that you stand ready at all times to sustain us and to provide everything we need. Give us courage to faithfully follow your leading, even when we cannot see the outcome, even when the path you call us to seems impossible to comprehend. Help us to trust you in all things, to let go of everything that would stand in the way of wholehearted obedience to you, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Our first reading this morning comes to us from Romans chapter 6, verses 12 to 23. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage did you then get from the things of which you now are ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our psalm this morning is Psalm 13, a paraphrase by Kelvin Searfield. How long, Lord God, how long will you keep on forgetting me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I always be second-guessing such things? Deep inside myself and have worrisome pain in my gut all day long. How long will my enemy have me in its triumphant power? Take a look, O Lord, my God. Please hear me with an answer. Keep my eyes bright with life, lest death itself put me to sleep, and my enemies roll in the aisles when they see 
see me about to break down, but we still sense we are safe in your conventional love. Our deepest heart rejoices in your always coming through to the rescue. We will sing to the Lord, yes, the Lord has always helped us grow more sure of God's enduring love. And our gospel lesson this morning from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, reading verses 40 to 42. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. There was once a famous monastery which had fallen on very hard times. Formerly its many buildings were filled with young monks and its huge chapel resounded with the singing of the choir. But now it was deserted. People no longer came there to be nourished by prayer. Only a handful of old monks remained. On the edge of the monastery woods, an old rabbi had built a tiny hut. He came there from time to time to fast and to pray. And no one ever spoke with him. But whenever he appeared, the word would be passed from monk to monk. The rabbi walks in the woods. One day, the abbot decided to visit the rabbi and bear his heart to him. As he approached the hut, the abbot saw the rabbi standing in the doorway, his arms outstretched in welcome. It was as if he had been waiting there for some time. The two embraced. As he entered the hut, he saw in the middle of the room a wooden table with the scriptures open. They sat there for a moment in the presence of the book. Then the rabbi began to cry. The abbot could not contain himself, and he covered his face with his hands and broke down too. And after the tears and all was quiet again, the rabbi lifted his head. You and your brothers are serving God with heavy hearts, he said. You have come to ask a teaching of me. I will give you a teaching, but you can only repeat it once. After that, no one must ever say it aloud again. The rabbi looked straight at the abbot and said, The Messiah is among you. And the abbot stood in, sil in stunned silence. Then the rabbi said, now you must go. The abbot left without ever looking back. The next morning the abbot called his monks together. He told them that he had received a teaching from the rabbi who walks in the woods, and that his teaching was never again to be spoken aloud. And then he looked at each of his brothers and said, the rabbi said that one of us is the Messiah. The monks were startled and thought to themselves, what could it mean? Is brother John the Messiah? No, he's too old and crotchety. Is brother Thomas? No, he's too stubborn and set in his ways. Am I the Messiah? What could this possibly mean? They were all deeply puzzled by the rabbi's teaching, but no one ever mentioned it again. As time went by, though, something began to happen at the monastery. 
the monks began to treat one another with reverence. They were gentle with one another and they lived with one another as brothers once again. Visitors found themselves deeply moved by the genuine caring and sharing that went on among them. And before long, people were again coming to great distances to be nourished by the prayer life of these monks and young men were asking once again to become part of the community. Jesus taught that we are to be hospitable to strangers. We are here to serve, not to be served. Showing kindness to strangers, especially those who are in need, those who are hurting, those who are lost and without any other hope is what the gospel is all about. One day a student asked the famous anthropologist Margaret Mead for the earliest sign of civilization in a given culture. The student expected the answer to be a clay pot or perhaps a fishing hook or a grinding stone. Her answer was a healed femur. The femur, of course, is what we would commonly refer to as the thigh bone. Mead explained that no healed femurs are found where the law of the jungle is survival of the fittest. A healed femur shows that someone cared. Someone had to do that injured person's hunting and gathering until the leg healed. The evidence of compassion, she says, is the first sign of civilization. At the heart of the Christian faith is compassion, which has been the underlying theme for the past couple of weeks. How well we know that we are Christians by our love. Christians do not live by the law of the jungle, but by the law of love. We only have to survey the ministry of Jesus to see that. There was nothing self-serving in anything that Jesus ever did. He was truly the man for others. And he called all of us to be people serving others. At the very heart of our faith is the spirit of giving and the spirit of compassion. In the three short verses of our gospel lesson this morning, we heard Jesus telling his disciples, and whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. In Chicken Soup for the Soul, there's a story about a woman whose church, church group uh, bought Christmas gifts for a missionary family. After meticulously selecting the presents based on the family's needs, sizes, and ages, the group gathered to pack them. That's when another member whisked in and plopped an almost new man's coat on the table. Her husband didn't like the style. As she turned to go, she suggested that maybe one of the missionaries could use it. Several people were offended. The coat wouldn't fit anyone in the missionary family. Obviously, the woman hadn't given much thought or time to the project. But the other presents didn't completely fill the barrel they were packing. So someone folded the coat and stuck it into the barrel as it made perfect packing material. After Christmas, a thank you letter arrived from the missionary family. They thanked the church for their many gifts and especially for the miracle coat. It seems that during a storm, a destitute man knocked on the door. He was so ill-dressed for the cold, they invited him to stay until the, the storm passed. And as it turned out, the knock on the door came just as the missionary family was opening the barrel. That's when they discovered the coat. It fit their visitor perfectly. Do such things really happen in this world? Yes, they do, all the time. You never know when you give that cup of cold water, whether to the needy stranger or to the work of God, how that gift might be used. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling us in our gospel lesson this morning about a cup of cold water. 
Christian faith is about giving, giving to those in need and giving to the work of God. But no gift is ever given in vain. What we give will be returned to us many times over. We have Christ's word on it. During the writing of this message, I came across a short story about a church in a downtown area of a large city in North America. It's a huge, ornate worshiping space, but unfortunately there are very few people who come to worship there anymore. It's also a city with one of the highest populations of homeless people. They're everywhere, and sometimes they take refuge near churches. The minister of this church couldn't help notice that a group of homeless people were spending their nights on the church's property. In an effort to be hospitable and to put a human face on homelessness, he and another member of the congregation decided to take their sleeping bags and spend a night with these people who had no roof over their head. As it turns out, they had to endure the initial process as if being homeless was a fraternity. First of all, if they were going to relate to the homeless, they would have to give up the sleeping bags as no one else had them. They were instructed as to how to make good beds out of cardboard and to use other materials to insulate their home. In the course of questioning their new friends, the minister asked them what were their greatest challenges about being homeless. And the answer was obvious, where to go to the bathroom. And since there were women in the ranks, it was especially difficult for them. The very next day, the minister ordered a portable toilet to be delivered to the church and had it placed nearby where the group of people had taken up residence. Unfortunately, the rest of his congregation were not as hospitably oriented as he, to the point that someone in his congregation actually tried to put a padlock on the outhouse. How can we forget Jesus' words in Matthew 25, I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Never underestimate the power of a cup of cold water. Hospitality toward one another is a sign that Christ is welcome. And where Christ is welcome, all things are possible. In fact, showing kindness to strangers is what the gospel is all about. We need to keep reminding ourselves of that. It's not about us, it's about them. Jesus is glad for the 99 sheep gathered in the fold, but it's the one lost sheep that has wandered astray that causes such rejoicing when it's found. Jesus came into this world on behalf of strangers, not for the well but the sick, not for the found but for the lost. The United Church of Canada in the past few weeks has literally spent millions of dollars to help congregations become more hospitable and welcoming. Every church likes to say they are welcoming because that's what it says on the sign outside. All are welcome. But how do those of us who haven't been part of the Christian community who already feel welcomed, how do we understand welcome? How would our understanding of welcome change if we came to worship each week as a stranger? How would, or we wouldn't know our way around the church. We wouldn't know where the washrooms were. We wouldn't understand what an order of service was. We wouldn't automatically understand that there is usually a fellowship time with tea and coffee after church. We wouldn't know where we should sit or when we should stand or sit down. So part of our understanding of welcome is learning to see God's image in the faces of all of our neighbors and to put ourselves in their shoes and remember our first Sunday in church. I heard a story once about a young parish priest visiting with an older priest. The young priest mentions the vagrants who come by his church seeking help. 
He says to his elder, I know we're supposed to help the poor, but these people are asking for help with a bus ticket or a utility bill or gas money or food. Is that really their story? The last thing they're likely to spend that money on is the bus ticket or the utility bill or the gas tank or food. They'll probably spend it on something that the church doesn't support, something that I certainly don't support. Finally, the young priest says, it gets exhausting justifying who I'm going to help and why. The old priest sits back and lets the young priest's words loom in the air like a confession waiting for assurance. And then the older priest says, what business is it of yours determining who gets help and who doesn't? Why exhaust yourself with that burden? You are a follower of Jesus Christ. Your task, therefore, is simply to share out of the wealth of God's abundance. Your requirement is simply to love others as God loves you. Your job is simply to give. Hospitality frees us to offer a cup of cold water to someone who might be in a situation completely foreign to our experience. Someone in a world that is outside our limited understanding and when we are brought into relationship with one another by the bond that hospitality creates. There is no more host and guest, no more insider and outsider. There is only a space in which we listen to and learn from one another, value and honor one another until all the uneven ground on which we stand becomes level and the rough places are made a plain. And perhaps by practicing hospitality, we would be ushered into a mutual space where all of us, little ones, realize that, uh, that each of us is loved equally by God and that each of us is crucial to God's kingdom of forgiveness and healing, justice and mercy, righteousness and hope on earth as it is in heaven. I want to offer a special thank you to all of you who participated in Saturday's Let's Make a Miracle. I hope we're able to set a Guinness Book of World Records for the most food donated in a single day. As I emphasized earlier, hospitality toward one another is a sign that Christ is welcome. And where Christ is welcome, all things are possible. In fact, showing kindness to strangers is what the gospel is all about. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. We pray for those who suffer with illness, for those who live with pain every day. O oh Lord, bring them your comfort. We pray for brothers and sisters living in places of war and terror. O oh Lord, bring them your peace. We pray for justice and equality that the voices of all people might be heard, that respect might live again in places of distrust, oppression, and abuse. O oh Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for families living in hardship that broken relationships might be mended and hurtful paths resolved. O oh Lord, bring them your love. We pray for loved ones who have strayed from you, who live in doubt and fear. O oh Lord, bring them your grace. We pray for the disaster and turmoil in our world, for countries ravaged by poverty and illness and death. O oh Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for those living with guilt and shame, for those who feel regret every day. O oh Lord, bring them your mercy. We pray for people living with indecision and uncertainty. O oh Lord, bring them your wisdom. 
We pray for your church that barriers might be broken, that unity and truth might prevail. Empower us, Lord, to be witnesses in your world, to serve you in one ministry, to sit together at one table. O oh Lord, hear our prayer. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is from Voices United 424. May the God of hope go with us. May the God of hope go with us every day, filling all our lives with love and joy and peace. May the God of justice speed us on our way, bringing light and hope to every land and race. Praying, let us work for peace, singing, share our joy with all, working for a world that's new, faithful when we hear Christ's call. May the God of hope go with us every day, filling all our lives with love and joy and peace. May the God of justice speed us on our way, bringing light and hope to every land and race. Praying, let us work for peace, singing, share our joy with all. God of heaven and earth, you created the one human family and endowed each person with great dignity. Aid us, we pray, in overcoming the sin of racism. Grant us your grace in eliminating this blight from our hearts, our communities, our social and civil institutions. Fill our hearts with love for you and our neighbor so that we may work with you in healing your land from racial injustice. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Go in peace, wash your hands, love your neighbor, and remember, you're not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our postlude this morning is uh, from Alan Jackson, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to bear to carry everything to God in prayer Oh, what peace we often forfeit Oh, what needless pain we bear All because we do not care 
God bless everyone. Have a great week.